This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are coming to you live from the Quicken Loan Studios, National Mortgage Lender, Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Send the tweets, send them hot at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N, 40 minutes away from week 12 around the NFL. Only 40 minutes away. Yesterday was to be a coronation. It's become fun now, and at the end of this, I guess I should thank him. But yesterday, and I mean yesterday as in Saturday, relax, it was supposed to be a coronation. Michigan came into Ohio State. They were 10-1, and the same record as the Ohio State Buckeyes, but came with so much more momentum. Everything had been going Michigan's way. The revenge tour was there. The ass-kicking week after week that continued had people in awe of Michigan, had people in awe of what they were doing offensively, defensively, the leadership that they had had. Guys like Chase Winovich, guys like Devin Gill, guys like Devin Bush, guys like Josh Metellus going right after one after another, guys who were really, really excited to be a part of the resurgence of Michigan football. The revenge tour had started. They kicked the hell out of Wisconsin. They beat the brakes off of Michigan State. They embarrassed Penn State at home doing the We Are chant. And here it was. Final week of the season, Ohio State, Michigan. And every single moment, every single thing that could possibly happen leading up to that week said Michigan would win that game and might even win that game by multiple touchdowns. Now, I understand it's the game. It's the biggest rivalry in college football. It's supposed to be close, and it has been close, this, that, and the other, the whole thing. Got it. But what transpired yesterday, and I say this with the utmost sincerity, You are 0-4 now against Ohio State. You have become the John Cooper of Michigan. Great season, 10-2. You lost against Ohio State. Great season, 10-2. Shea Patterson was great. You lost against Ohio State. You're not going to the Big Ten Championship. You are not going to the college football playoff. What have you done for your season? For the regular fan for history, yeah, you took a great step. What did your season do? Wasted it. Forget about the coronation. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire right now, Jim. Because what's happened? What's gone on over this last year? You're supposed to be one of the best coaches in college football. You were a guy who we were excited about at Stanford. You are a guy who we were excited about, obviously, coming from San Francisco. You were a guy we were excited about going to Michigan because you were going to set the standard. You were going to put it right back. It was no longer just going to be Ohio State because you can't count on everybody else. Remember, when you got there, 
Penn State wasn't Penn State yet. They were still going through that nastiness. Michigan State was an okay football team that could be a competitive group every now and then, but people don't take them seriously. I could say the same thing about Wisconsin, even though they had a bit of a down year this year. Always well coached. You can't go wrong with a great Wisconsin offensive lineman. They're like craftsman hand tools. They never break on you. And you thought for a moment that here was Michigan again because of all those schools no one could take them seriously, and it always cost Ohio State, and I had told Buckeye fans for years, you need Michigan to be good, and this is the sterling example of it because Ohio State fan didn't want to hear it. You need Michigan to be good. That game needs to mean something, and Michigan coming into that game at 7-4 and four, like they were with Rich Rodriguez or Brady Hoke, that isn't going to be what's best for business. But Michigan was supposed to win this year and was supposed to make a new 10 years war, even though Jim Harbaugh was three in the hole and you had everything going for you. OSU's defense was absolutely atrocious going into that game. They gave up 51 against Maryland the week before. And there's a key there against Maryland the week before. They won by five against Nebraska. Another key against Nebraska. They only won by five. They had 16 first-half rushing yards against Michigan State. The offense was stagnant. The offensive line was terrible. The defense was basically non-existent. They were getting called out for not having heart. Eddie George was saying that things were dysfunctional. The Heisman Trophy winner, Eddie George, the guy who is one of the pillars of Ohio State football history, says that this team was dysfunctional just a few weeks ago. Urban Meyer's future was in question. Health-wise, obviously the problems that he was having with Gene Smith, we remember that press conference where Urban looked none too pleased about that. The disgustingness of what happened with the entire Zach Smith scandal. Everything pointed towards Michigan. I don't know how else it could have been better unless the game was up at the big house. That's the only thing maybe that could have been better for that. Jim Harbaugh came into this game. Friends, he had a chance to bury Ohio State and bury bury Urban Meyer to change the way people think about Ohio State football, to change the way that people think about Urban Meyer, and to possibly where the rumors were swirling and Urban Meyer's tenure at Ohio State. They went down to Ohio State. Michigan lost, and not just lost. They gave up 62 points and lost by three touchdowns to a team where, let's go over that again, shall we? When I mention that Nebraska win by only five, when I mention a 52-51 overtime win against Maryland and 16 rushing yards total in the first half against Michigan State, this was a team that maybe you could give me an argument against Penn State earlier this season. Maybe you could, but I really think that that was more Penn State shooting themselves in the foot. Hickey's a Penn State alum. Maybe he'll agree or disagree. We'll find out. This was a team that had done nothing but all year live on their own talent. Eddie George wasn't wrong. The the guys who were the alums... The 2002 National Championship players, the 2014 National Championship players, those guys weren't wrong. That's why there were some Ohio State fans, and a, and a good bunch of them, especially during the Maryland game, who were pretty quick to think, boy, Ryan Day would look good. Matt Campbell would look real, real good from Iowa State. How's he doing over there? I don't know how much money would it off to get him. We got four billionaire boosters. How much money do you think it would cost for Matt Campbell? Boy, we got the pick of the litter over here. Who, who could we get? Looks like Urban's out. 
Michigan throughout the year was all heart. They had talent. They weren't just beating teams. They were destroying teams. Ohio State went out and got their asses kicked on the road against a sub-500 Purdue football team. Maybe they're 500. I know they won the old Oaken Bucket the other day. Maybe they're 500. You got your asses kicked by a so-so Purdue football team. And they followed that up after the bye week. Thought that they'd kill Nebraska. They won by five. They lived all year without heart. And then for one game on Saturday, a group of talent that was basically non-existent as a team decided to be a bunch of killers. And they reminded Michigan, really they reminded Jim Harbaugh just who they are. And it's the same old story, Jimbo. It's the same old story of what it was in the AFC Championship game with the Colts. It's the same old story of what it was in the Super Bowl with the 49ers against your brother. And it's the same old story of what it is right now against Urban Meyer. Even in his worst season so far, he's been better than you. You were supposed to change this. It was supposed to be a coronation. I brought this up in, the, in its own tease. On Saturday... Jim Harbaugh was supposed to be King James after that. This turned into Czar Nicholas. It was a bloodbath. Athletes took over, and they played with confidence. They played with a killer instinct for the first time ever. But I can thank Jim Harbaugh. Ohio State fans should thank Jim Harbaugh, should thank Michigan. Because, again, it was right. You needed Michigan to be good. Now we've changed the conversation about the college football playoff. Before, Ohio State was winning these games with no heart, and the committee knew it. They were winning games. They were following under teams like Washington State, UCF. There were teams that were much better when it came to heart, when you knew that there was a desire. And the, and the Ohio State Buckeyes were still 10-1, and one, and you're down to 10th in the college football playoff? And if you won, you had to look good doing it. Boy, did they look good. And for Jim Harbaugh, you're back to the drawing board. And now everything, every nasty comment that was said before, it all becomes true again. When's it going to be your year? When are you going to pay up on it? When are you going to do what it is? Because if you're going to be at a high standard and a high salary, then I'm going to hold you to a high standard. It is not acceptable for Michigan football to not be in a playoff for four years with Jim Harbaugh. When are you going to get your quarterback? You finally got your quarterback. Now that excuse is gone. When are you going to get your defense? You finally got your defense. When is that excuse gone? Ohio State had their head coach get fired by their athletic director just a couple of months after the school president said that they'd fire the school president before they fired the head coach. They went through a 6-6 six and six year with a talented coach like Luke Fickle, had Urban Meyer, didn't miss a beat other than a bowl ban. You have been stuck with the exception of one Sugar Bowl run, you have been stuck in the middle of a desert for going on 15 years now, with the exception of a couple of good games. I know, Lloyd Carr, 2006, got it, got it. It it has to be more. If you're going to play big boy football, then that has to be the standard. Because for Ohio State, if they don't make the college football playoff, and there's still a strong possibility they won't, it's a disappointment for Ohio State fans. If they lose next week to Northwestern, and there is a possibility they could do that, they go right back to just being what they were before, 
which was a lifeless team that was built on talent. Northwestern has fought a lot of teams before. I have no idea what Northwestern's going to be. They're a very dangerous group. They went out and played Notre Dame tough, but they lost to, they lost to Akron at the beginning of the year. Akron hadn't beaten a Big Ten team in over 100 years, literally. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but still, that's a disappointment for them. This is supposed to be a step up. This should be frustrating. And everything that was said before ends up being true. The shirtless catch, the staying over at recruits' houses. Before, that's colorful. If you win, that's a colorful story. Now it's just weird. The pleats in your pants, the whole thing about the family, who's got it better than us, the whole weird thing. It's just weird. Until you beat Ohio State, until you do what you were brought there to do, that's a disappointment. That's a failure with a capital F. And I understand, yep, they could go right back to where they were with Brady Hoke, which was a joke. They could be like Rich Rodriguez, where Rich Rodriguez would walk around in that great big blue jumpsuit, and he looked like a guy who was picking up your garbage. But I wish I wouldn't say that, because that's an insult to garbage men, because they do good work. Rich Rodriguez went out and got his ass kicked. I know, without Jim Harbaugh, you can go right back to hell. So I'm not saying to fire Jim Harbaugh, quite quite on the contrary. I just want to know if not this year, when? Because Urban, even in his worst year, beat you by three touchdowns. And again, I mean this wholeheartedly. You're 0-4. You've put together great seasons now. You're Ohio State's John Cooper. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up next, you have to understand Cleveland's relationship with LeBron. It's complicated. And also, this right here. Is why four teams is better than eight, folks. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is the Ken Carmen Show. 855-212-4CBS. I want to get to the phones here in a second. I want to get to John in Detroit just here in a moment. Hickey had brought something to my attention about realignment. Because he's like, ah, you know, they got to realign these divisions. You can't have Northwestern being the best team out of the West. Well, you know what? Wisconsin's got to pick up their act. And, I, you know, teams are allowed to have a down year. I understand that. But what's uh, Iowa, Kirk Ferentz does a good job. And I, I always say, hey, you better be careful wanting Kirk Ferentz to be fired. Iowa's 5-4 and four in the conference. You have no business being 5-4. and four. Nebraska is not always going to be 3-6 and six in conference play. Minnesota, I, really, I like P.J. Fleck. I know that there's people who absolutely hate his guts. I like P.J. Fleck a lot. I think that probably there's a waste of time going on with Lovey Smith uh, in Illinois, but I hope that Minnesota's going to be better. Minnesota's doing it right because they're recruiting Ohio State kids that Michigan State used to get, that or Ohio kids and Michigan kids who State used to get, and now they're starting to poach a couple of them. They should, if they're able to coach him up, they should be a good team. So I think this is more of an anomaly this year, Hickey. You know, you're bringing up, man, Northwestern, because it, it's going to hurt Ohio State. Oklahoma, Texas is still Texas in a lot of people's mind, and the committee members are older. They are still those guys. So Texas, even though they've had some real down years, and this is what I love about the – this is what I love about there only being four teams. Now Tom Herman has to go out and win a game, and it would only help his arch nemesis. He'd win the Big 12 championship. Everybody would be excited, but it's all going to help his arch nemesis. He hates Ohio State. He hates Urban Meyer. God knows what he would think of Zach Smith. And Zach Smith is obviously still pro-Ohio State, even through all this, if you're judging by his Twitter. <laughs> That's what makes it beautiful. And I just brought up the biggest, the biggest problem that you have football-wise. Robbie, you, Hickey, and you guys both know, you guys are both in New York. 
is Rutgers are do they have great academics? Uh, it's so so. It's it's middle of the road for Big Ten, I would say. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, Hickey and I are both Big Ten guys. I would say it's it's uh, middle of the road. All right. Say if I had like just a regular old three zero in high school, three GPA, could I get into Rutgers? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, wow, really? I thought that was like a really good school. Lot. Say what? What'd you say? It's a lot of in-state kids going for cheap. Wow, I thought it was like a really good school. No, it is. It is a really good school. It's a it's a really 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 good school. But the academics are so are so so. Yeah, it's so so. Like I said, it's middle of the road. Jeez, because I always used to kind of defend it and kind of be like, yeah, you know, eh, you know, Rutgers is a pretty good academic school. Yeah, they have no business being in the Big Ten. He goes, why can't they bring back the old Shiano years? They were in the Big East. The Big East was the Big East was okay at football back in the day. They had some good football teams, but they weren't the Big Ten. They'd never been the Big Ten. When Miami was there, when Miami was really cooking, maybe, yeah. But, man, the Rutgers, and you do that only for TV purposes. You really want to have a problem. That's the one that's dragging you down. Chris Ash is doing everything he can. You're 1-11. You're a Rutgers. You're back to being the Rutgers that we knew when we were kids. And I thought that the, these teams, a couple of these ones, Maryland going through their year. Good God, DJ Durkin with the, with the poor kid who passed away. And you want to bring that idiot back? Showing guys videos of guys getting drills in their eyeballs where you're trying to eat. This isn't full metal jacket, man. This is college football, you psycho. And you got that team where Matt Canada's actually done a pretty decent job. You had that team who came in with heart. They took Ohio State to the hilt. They took them to overtime and lost when they were just trying to go for it. I can't even hate a team for trying to go for it to get the win. Like, that was the difference going into this game on Saturday. Ohio State played with zero heart throughout the entire season. Nick Bosa got hurt early, said, I got to get out of here, which I thought was a great move because you don't end up kind of like what's going on in Houston. You don't end up like anything like that, and you don't end up being the missing link. And, boy, it seemed like they needed them. They had not played with heart all year, and then all of a sudden show up, play exceptionally well against Michigan, and I just keep wondering, if it wasn't this year, when's it going to be? How many excuses do I sit here and make for Jim Harbaugh? Because I understand, and a Michigan fan, and we're about to take one here in a second, a Michigan fan's got to be in just the biggest purgatory, frustrated purgatory that you can find. You can't fire this man. You're a much better football team than where you've been, but you're 0-4 and you just caught, 0-4 against Urban Meyer, and you just cost yourself a chance to go to the playoffs. Like, even if you would have went to Alabama, like, there were Ohio State fans. I, I'm in Ohio. There's Ohio State fans, and we'll get these calls this week. They don't want to go to the playoffs because they don't want to look bad against Alabama. I still think that's a minority. How excited would you be if you were a Michigan fan to go get your ass kicked against Alabama in the playoff? I think a lot of guys would sign up for it right now because you would have beaten Ohio State. Let me get to John in Detroit. John, you're first up on CBS Sports Radio. John, let me ask you this question. It's loaded. If you would have beaten Ohio State on Saturday, how excited would you have been to go to the national go to the national college football playoff and more than likely get your head kicked in against Alabama? Well, I can actually tell you how I feel about that because I'm actually a Notre Dame fan and I, oh. I watched Alabama oh. kick our head in a few seasons ago. So <laughs> I had a good weekend, but I, I actually know what's coming down the pike for probably my team here in a few weeks and uh, probably somebody else's squad as well. Mm. Look, Alabama's a machine. Um, the reason I actually called in is actually not being so much a Spartan or a Wolverine fan. I'm I'm just outside of Detroit, about a half hour from Ann Arbor, actually. Where at? I, I kind of 
Uh, I'm actually in a city called Plymouth. It's about halfway between Detroit and Ann Arbor. Oh. M14 turns into 96. I got a buddy from Plymouth. I don't mean to make it sound like Tradio, but I've been to Plymouth, Michigan. Go right on ahead, bud. Uh, no problem there. But so, you know, the thing is, I think one dirty little secret is most years, Mark D'Antonio is the better football coach in this state than Jim Harbaugh has been. I agree. And And when you look at it, you know, this year, the teams that Michigan had trouble with, two of them that beat them and one that they beat by three points are the three squads that finished the year in the top 25, the Irish, the Buckeyes, and the Northwestern Wildcats. And then you, know, you also look at it, those are squads that are almost unquestionably coached by very good coaches. Jim Harbaugh has trouble with that. When the man on the other sideline can game plan better than he can, he runs into issues. Brian Kelly is a little bit better. Pat Fitzgerald, given the talent that, that Northwestern has, unbelievable job he does there year in and year out. And look at the issues he gave Michigan. They had to have a 17-point comeback in the second half, which, hey, that's on them. They did what they had to do. Um, and, and then, obviously, what Urban Meyer did, carving them up like a second turkey for Thanksgiving this weekend. And then on the other side of that, why, why does Urban Meyer keep winning? Well, look at what happened with him. You know, when he goes up against the coaches who are better, Mark D'Antonio, he found a way to out-scheme them with a team that was underperforming. Scott Frost, I think once his recruiting classes get in there, Nebraska's going to be a very good coach. Look what he did at UCF. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they hung with Ohio State, but Urban Meyer found a way to beat them as well. And then Jim Harbaugh, he's just better than Jim Harbaugh. And the thing is, what I'm really getting sick of when I listen to local radio driving around is all the excuses. Because first, it was, oh, well, Jim Harbaugh's got to get his recruiting class in. And then last year, when he had three years in and his kids were juniors and sophomores, oh, well, well, now he's got to get his own quarterback in. And then now I've read, you heard a couple calls on local radio. Oh, well, Shea Patterson was only here for one year. He didn't really have time to learn the system. People, the simple fact of the matter is, in the college ranks, outside of Andrew Luck, which he caught lightning in a bottle, a generational college talent, and pretty good NFL talent as well, Jim Harbaugh was fantastic when he had that. And then he was like a flash in the pan in the NFL. Again, a lot of success, but would he have sustained it? I don't think anybody knows. But outside of Andrew Luck in college, when he got the most important position locked down for him, the man's pretty much been selling khakis. And, and you know, as far as the, the, the hygiene skills, I, I hear about him, and it just reminds me of the scene in uh, Bull Durham. When Crash is talking to, to Nuclear Lush and he holds up the shower shoe, when you win 20 in the show, yes. you can let the fungus grow all over your shower yep. shoe, and the press will call you colorful. Until you do, you're just dirty. And, Jim, it's time to stop playing shirtless catch. And here's the thing. Maybe it's time to stop taking the team to Paris, into Rome, into wherever else, and try and take the team to Indianapolis. And, and you'll be on that. Because, really, you're getting paid a whole lot of money, and you're producing what I think most Michigan fans, if they're honest, would say are very mediocre results. You know, because the goal is to win championships. And so far, Ohio State has spanked it twice, won by double digits one time, and there was one close game. Michigan State until this year has pretty well had your number. And, again, have you done that well against the Irish? Those are your biggest rivals. You can go out and beat Purdue and Indiana and Illinois all you want. What people care about is how many championships and how many trophies you bring into Schembechler Hall. And the answer so far is none. Again, this year, both Big Ten and National. And, you know, how many, how many good teams are you beating? And, again, this year, the answer is zero. Jim, you're getting paid a ton of money, and you're messing the bed every time something's expected of you. And you know what? It's either time to start producing or stop acting like an idiot at the very least because you're just embarrassing yourself in the block M you roll around with on your head.
John, I got to let you go, and I thank you for the call. I appreciate the time, brother. Thanks for letting thank me go. You have you a great night. Thank you very much for the call. I mean, wow. Everything. Basically spot on. Now, I'll take John Harbaugh over a lot of things, but this why you got to go back to where it's safe. I would want John Harbaugh to go back to where it's safe. Get yourself a good quarterback. Go back to the NFL. But for Michigan fans around John, talking about John the caller, there's nothing else you can do except make excuses. You know you can't fire him. You know you can't fire him. I, I know you're mad, and I know that it was embarrassing, and it was. All those things are true. You were completely out. You were completely outplayed. Completely outcoached. The whole thing was just bad on Saturday. You can't fire the guy. You can't because you, you can't risk going back to the straight hell of what it was before. But you can't get over the hump. So the only thing you have left is to hope that some way, somehow, Ohio State trips over themselves. Except this was the best year. You have Jim Harbaugh looking as good as possibly could be going into that football game. Urban Meyer is clutching himself, and this is going to be taken in jest. Obviously, it's a serious issue. You got brain cysts going on where he's holding on to his head and holding on to his chest like he is Mr. Sanford over there. That's how ugly it looked. They're showing him on the sideline after every negative play against Maryland. And you couldn't get over the hump there? Now, Mark D'Antonio, I think that he's a good game planner. I know that they've had some lean times here over the last couple of years. D'Antonio's a good game planner. I think that he's a very good coach. He's a very good schemer. Those guys who have success in that conference, they have to be. Urban can out-recruit him, and you've seen that throughout this season. They haven't won on heart except for this last game against Michigan. You had a little bit of better talent, and you won that game on heart. And for Michigan fan, the only thing you have left to comfort yourself whatsoever are excuses because everything else are just hard, cold truths, and you can't fire the guy either. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up next, Week 12 around the NFL. And remember, our relationship with LeBron here in Cleveland is complicated, and I think some of you folks have forgotten that. This is the Ken Carmen Show. 855-2124-CBS. That is a toll-free line sponsored by Geico. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 50% or more on car insurance. Boy, it was a big day on Wednesday night. I know it's been a while since it, but I'm from Cleveland, and I said this on Thursday. Brian McKeon was with me, but no one else was listening because there was a whole lot of live sports going on. Let's be serious with each other. I know we got some phones, and I know we got Week 12 around the NFL to get to here, so we'll try to make this short and sweet. There's a lot of people in Cleveland who still appreciate LeBron James. It's a complicated relationship because a lot of people, when you're from Northeast Ohio, to have the sports teams that the sports teams have had, that the fans have had here, and we include Ohio State in this, you wear that as a badge of honor. And at times, even with the failings, especially with the three Cleveland sports teams, you wear that as a badge of honor. Now, sometimes I think that some people have got addicted to that struggle. 2016 was a wonderful time. But I think that for a lot of people, they are Cavs fans first. They were Cavs fans first. And then LeBron James come along, came along, and this made things very complicated. Because LeBron is a different type of athlete. LeBron is, Jordan was the guy who was the icon that promoted a brand. LeBron was the first guy who did the same thing, was as good in that category, and became the enlightened modern athlete that he is. The man who can do what LeBron does. The guy who can be 
the self-promoting athlete of what LeBron is, the guy who can be the self-empowered athlete of what he is, and has made things easier for other guys trying to do the same thing. Kevin Durant, other other NBA players will do it. I think Major League Baseball players, they've been doing it for quite a while, but some of the bigger names, it's a little bit easier to move and establish brands in some other places because of what LeBron James has done. And that makes things messy. The first time LeBron did it, he was young. It was a silly way to do things. And a lot of people say it was the way that he did it. They understand that he did it. I think it was both. Because you know what I know. The player of the generation is LeBron James. Whether or not you feel that Michael's better or he's better, I don't think that's part of the conversation I'm trying to have right now. We can have our conversation about that some other time. But the player of this generation is LeBron. Cleveland sports fans are, by and large, smart sports fans. And nobody knows an historical moment, considering some of the past, nobody knows an historical moment quite like a sports fan. They know when what they're seeing is greatness. They know when what they're seeing is going to make history. And it makes it that much more complicated that you finally get this player this player that is above all others, that takes a, tr- takes a franchise and transforms it like none other. And you have to share him with other fan bases. When LeBron James is all done with playing basketball, Cleveland Cavalier fans, fans in Northeast Ohio, will have to share his greatness with Miami and quite possibly L.A. by the time this is all said and done. They'll have to share his greatness over that time. Three championships shared among two separate fan bases. Maybe a fourth championship. We'll see how Golden State ends up. Shared among three different fan bases. That's a very difficult thing to juggle. For a lot of fan bases, for L.A., Kobe, always a Laker. Chicago, Michael, always a Bull. For Cleveland, where they were never really relevant from that national scale, a couple of good teams, but like LeBron, nowhere near. This is the greatness that we see, and now we have to share that greatness. That's why, and I'll tell you this, over even just a few weeks, and it's still very much in its infancy. And I don't mean to get too crazy about anything whatsoever. So many people latch on to Baker Mayfield because they feel he can be special because, one, they haven't seen a quarterback play here that's been anywhere near that good since Bernie Kosar. And most people talking about Baker Mayfield weren't even born when Bernie Kosar was playing. Second of all, with the way the NFL is structured, it's very unlikely he'll end his career somewhere else. If he's very, very good, he'll be with the Cleveland Browns for his entire career. That's still what the NFL has. If you have a quarterback, which is the most important position, by and large, and we've seen some things change, obviously. But unless you have the heir apparent right behind that guy, you're not going to lose that quarterback. You're not going to lose that franchise player. So for a lot of Cleveland fans, though, because of what's gone on over the last umpteen years now with LeBron, they've been put in one category where it hasn't been that way. They've been put in another category where it hasn't been that way. By and large, I think a lot of fans know that LeBron is special and thank LeBron for being the man who spearheaded what happened in 2016, which isn't just a championship, but the most improbable comeback in possibly all of sports history when they come back from 3-1 down against the team of the decade and the Golden State Warriors. And by and large, most Cleveland fans appreciate that and will always respect that. But I tell you this, back on Wednesday, a standing ovation for LeBron James was twofold. One, because of the reasons I just told you. The other one is so the national media gets off their ass. I love Doris Burke. What Doris Burke said the other day about how she thought Cleveland didn't give her enough, didn't give LeBron enough of an ovation was absolutely silly.
considering what happened in 2010, considering the phone calls that I take every single day, which are, I believe, in the minority, considering the emails that I get every day, which I believe are in the minority anytime we talk about LeBron James, he's lucky he got that much of an ovation. But Cleveland fans know history better than a lot of fan bases out there. They understand that someday in 2026, there'll be the 10-year anniversary. There will be the 20-year anniversary. There will be the 30 and the 40-year anniversary. And by that time, what was accomplished will probably be in the annals of history as one of the most historic comebacks ever in sports over a team that could very well win the championship again this year, and depending on what Kevin Durant wants to do, win a championship again next year, which would make that an unbelievable run for the Golden State Warriors, and the one team that's in the middle of that is LeBron. In any fan base, from Timbuktu to Portland, Maine, to Portland, Oregon, for that matter, could always know that those types of teams, any championship team, especially with one with a history where they hadn't won a championship in a city in 52 years and over a generation could understand that you want to remember them for being beloved, for being champions, and for their greatness. So in 2026 and 36 and 46, they want to be able to love J.R. Smith when he comes back for the reunion and love Kyrie Irving if he isn't somewhere living off the grid in Arizona and love Kevin Love and love Ty Lue and love Matthew Dellavedova and so on and so forth. And that certainly includes LeBron James. You can't make a comparison without LeBron James or describe the relationship with LeBron James without making the analogy about girlfriends. That's because there's that much love. He's from here. He was born here. We don't know if he'll die here, but he's still a Northeast Ohioan. Whether we like it or not, he's still done a hell of a lot. But it is, just like a lot of our relationships, very, very complicated. But at the end, we want to remember it for its very best. Are we ready for week 12 around the league? we got to go quick, Hickey. We'll make it very quick. Let's go, baby. Bills 24, Jags 21. Josh Allen gets his revenge over Jalen Ramsey. Good for Josh Allen. Jalen Ramsey's a good football player. A couple of people on Twitter took it the wrong way. They need to shout up. The Jacksonville Jaguars are absolute garbage. And now I got the head coach in the crosshairs, and I hate to say because I love Tom Coughlin so much. There's Tom Coughlin in the crosshairs as well. That's a horrible loss. It's been a horrible season by the Jaguars. Great job by Josh Allen. I don't care about how many passing yards he didn't have today. Next. Baker Mayfield, four touchdown passes. Browns get revenge on Hugh Jackson, 35-20 over the Bengals. They've won two in a row. They're breaking all the terrible streaks. I don't wish that level of football on anybody. I do know this. Hugh Jackson is not that good of a head coach, and Baker Mayfield is showing the world. So if you want to believe that, Jason Locke and Ford down in Cincinnati, fans, I'm telling you, I'm praying for you, because that is not a good sign. And Mike Brown has proven it time and time again. He really doesn't care what you think down there. Next. Sony Michelle, 133 yards on the ground. Pats to move to 4-0 when he rushes for over 100 yards. 27-13 over the Jets. Wow, he beat the Patriots. The Patriots beat the Jets. What else is new? Next. Eagles come back from 19-3, beat the Giants 25-22. You're still alive. Get your head out of your ass and start to play like a defending Super Bowl champion. Next. Jameis Winston continues up and down play. Throws for two touchdowns. Buccaneers 27, 49ers 9. In the words of Hank Stram, he could have went out there and pooped it, and they still would have won that football game. The 49ers are garbage. They have no leadership because their guy is hurt, and obviously this whole Reuben Foster situation is a mess. Next. 
Russell Wilson, 339 yards, two touchdowns as the Seahawks hand the Panthers their first home loss of the year, 30-27. There's really good quarterbacks, and this man just proved he is elite. Russell Wilson is elite because he keeps that team's head above water. They are going through significant changes in Seattle, and I have no idea what the Panthers are. You've dropped a couple in a row. You are an enigma in this league. Next. Lamar Jackson totals two touchdowns, Ravens 34, Raiders 17. I love what you do for me, my friend, but I probably got to go back to Flacco. Next. Phil Rivers, 28 of 29, throws three touchdowns as the Chargers beat the Cardinals 45-10. The game you obviously had to have after that disappointing loss that you had just last week. The Chargers, even though nobody loves them, I do. I love Phillip Rivers. This team's going to the playoffs. They got a little momentum behind them. Next. Broncos defeat the Steelers 24-17 as Big Ben throws a costly interception in the end zone to seal the game for the Broncos. I'll say this again because I said it earlier in the show. Ben Roethlisberger is the dumbest legend I've ever seen on a football field. And again, he makes plays, and I'm so surprised somebody doesn't have to walk behind him and tell him when to breathe in and breathe out. The Broncos, hey, I guess Vance Joseph isn't so terrible, huh? They're 5-6, and six, and the worst part of their schedule is behind them next. Andrew Luck, 343 yards, three touchdowns. Colts come from 10 down in the fourth quarter. Five in a row now, 27-24 of the Dolphins. Those were some sad-ass play calls at the end in the fourth quarter with Adam Gase. Hickey, you're a Colts fan, by the way? Oh, yeah. Great that team. I, I thought that was a t- playoff team in 2019. You might be getting ready for playoffs a little bit sooner than we thought, buddy boy. Next! Couldn't agree more. And finally, Vikings defeat the Packers 24-17 in Sunday Night Football. Kirk Cousins, three touchdowns. It can't all be Mike McCarthy's fault, but a lot of it's probably Mike McCarthy's fault. Maybe his voice just gone sour with that football team, but hey, Aaron Rodgers, 35, 36 years old, and that's a team you look around that roster, especially with a couple of new guys they have on that defense. They're going through kind of the same thing Russell Wilson is, except Russell Wilson's still 30. He's not 36. And things change. Aaron Rodgers has been having some serious injuries lately. There's a lot of pressure on him to get back to the Super Bowl, to win another Super Bowl before it's over. We see this with Eli Manning. They can't all age like Drew Brees and Tom Brady. The Vikings got themselves a big one. Like the leadership that they showed. Love Mike Zimmer. You know how I like the Vikings, my friend. Glad they got the 6-4-1. and one. Glad you guys joined me tonight. Big thanks to all you for listening. Big thanks to my guys back in New York. Hick, Brian, Robbie Rosenhaus. I'm Ken Carmen. I'm back next week. Have a wonderful week until that, my friends. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.